The 5 o'clock whistle has sounded. Time to get into Sports Talk. Hour number two of the program, Jimmy B and TC. If you missed our announcement from earlier this week, local programming, some changes starting next week on Monday. little different change to the lineup. Jimmy B and TC, a little bit earlier in the day. That'll be from 1 until 2 o'clock. Myself and Ken Miller, we bump up from 11 to 1, so we'll have that full block over the lunch hour from 11 till 2 o'clock with the Ken Miller Show with Trent Condon and Jimmy B and TC. Then on your drive home, we'll still have local programming from 4 until 6 o'clock. I will be here with the drive, and joining me, it's going to be Wolfgang. Going to be certainly a lot of fun. A couple of quick hits on college basketball before we talk college football with Adam Kramer from Bleach Report. He'll be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. Iowa State Basketball Media Day today for the Cyclones. Certainly learning a lot more about this team, listening to Steve Prohm, some of the conversations that he had today. A lot of it dealing with the adversity of what they dealt with a year ago, what they went through as a squad, the frustrations that were there, how the rotation is going to fit. You know, you feel, you feel solid that I would say eight guys are in line to get a majority of the minutes, guard court, Nick Weiler-Babb coupled in the backcourt, of course, at the point guard position with Lindell Wigington. Then you get into Mariel Shayok, how he fits in, Zaron Talley, the freshman Talon Horton-Tucker, the big guy Solomon Young, Cameron Lard, Michael Jacobson. So a lot of different combinations they can work out. And then some of those other guys that are there, the freshman, now Halliburton, he, we will see on him because of what he's going through illness-wise. But George Condit, Zion Griffin, if they find a role. Terrence Lewis, who I continue to be a believer in. You know, if he can give anything in his sophomore year, I think that's going to be something key to see how they do it. And speaking of, you know, the the two guys I mentioned at the top with Wigington and Weiler-Babb, what do they do at the point guard spot? Wigington, he's out there trying to find a way to get an NBA paycheck. That is a talking point, no doubt. So, Going to be very interesting to see how that all shakes out and uh, a lot more certainly to come on Iowa State Hoops here in the coming days. Over to Iowa, they were in Chicago today for Big Ten Basketball Media Days. Iowa picked 10th in the media poll, 10th to finish in the Big Ten. Michigan State is the favorite. Tyler Cook, a tweet was sent out with the top 10 players listed for all Big Ten. He was not among them. He uh, seemed a little fired up about that. Got to translate, though. He can score. He can dunk. And the jump shot really came on as the year went on. Needs to be even better than what we saw a year ago. But most importantly, it's what we've talked about, and that's the defense. This defense has to be a whole lot better than what we saw a year ago. 242nd in the country at Ken Palm. The offense was 19th nationally. Out of 351 teams, that is elite. The defense, what's the opposite of elite? That's what they are. Must have been listening to P.J. Fleck a little bit too much. Speaking of Fleck, let's get into college football. One of our favorites, he is Adam Kramer. Kegs and Eggs, the moniker, on Twitter. And he joins us here on a Thursday. And A.K., we actually have a good Thursday night football game for once with TCU against Texas Tech. You know, with the infiltration of the NFL on Thursday nights, it's nice to be back and have one of these nice Thursday night college games again. Yeah, it is. You know, I was at uh, Miami, uh, North Carolina, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had a decent game last week. It, it yeah, I, I missed that man because we've had some really memorable Thursday night games over the years, really over the past decade. And uh, I hope college football doesn't just run and hide from the NFL. I get why it would. So, 
this game is fun. Uh, Texas Tech has rallied a bit. Um, TCU, of course, was, was, I think, a team we're still trying to figure out. Very close against Ohio State. Uh, won a really tough game, um, you know, against Iowa State after, after losing back-to-back and then followed up with Texas. Um, so to me, yeah, this is, this is kind of fun. And if you're into points, I, I think you'll probably get them here as well. Yeah, you're going to get that. The total has been dropping, though, down to 58.5. Yeah. That's something to keep an eye on, and I'm, I'm doing some homework on that one before fire at 6.30. Doing <laughs> of course a, you are. Doing investigation work, as I like to do from time to time. Adam Craver joining us here as we're talking college football, a.k.a. a narrative that continues to evolve here as the season goes on, and we get ready for this week of college football. We're still not to the middle of October even, but... Oh, no, what's going to happen when we have all these undefeated teams? Please set that narrative straight. Look, we usually don't start this until Halloween, uh, I feel like, is when we start to say, oh, my God, we need a new system. And I understand it, but, but college football happens. Like, in, And already I think the, the overwhelming discussion is, what do you do with an undefeated or a one-loss Notre Dame? And how do you handle that versus Georgia? And how will it's not, you know, it's conference affiliation impacted? And, and these are questions ultimately we may have to answer, truthfully. And it feels like with Notre Dame, it's a reasonable conversation you can start to at least think about. But as we know, uh, the gauntlet that is the college football season makes a lot of these conversations premature, to, to say the least. That doesn't mean they're not fun. I, I love, I think one of the most enjoyable things about this sport, of course, is, is embracing the hypothetical. And what if this happens? What if that happens? And, you know, with the playoff, I think this is, this is kind of the, f- the fun part of this. Four, four spaces, four vacancies. Um, in most years, it feels like you've got, I don't know, eight to 11 teams that feel like they can vie for that. That list seems shorter this year, by the way. I don't know if that's just me or not. It just feels like the, the championship-worthy teams are um, shrinking and have shrunk quite a bit. And we'll see what happens there. But um, I love that part. It, it is kind of ridiculous as is that stupid college football playoff show uh, that they start here in a couple of weeks. But I love that, too, because it's completely unnecessary, and yet it draws up interest in the sport. You know, uh, stop me when you hear a good team here. James Madison, Georgia State, Marshall, Virginia, Boston College. That's NC State's victories right now. Fun story. The West Virginia game, of course, was canceled in week three. But can we also slow down here? Let's see NC State maybe beat somebody pretty good before we go anointing. You know, this is the second-best team in the ACC. Yeah, this is the part where I think hopefully the scheduling starts to, you know, sort that out. Although you look at the rest of the ACC, you know, we may have to wait for Clemson. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. kind of the problem. Um, But they've got a pretty good quarterback. Um, You know, this is sort of the Colorado issue, too, right? Because Colorado's unbeaten and yet there's still a seven-point dog this week on, on the road against USC. So I think NC State is kind of in that conversation that could be good, uh, could be okay, most likely is somewhere between. And, uh, but, but probably at this point is the most realistic threat to Clemson, I guess. Um, but, yeah, scheduling, and, and I, again, I've loved watching you know, Chanel and Colorado play this year. They've been one of the most enjoyable teams. But you're a seven-point dog this week, and, again, you get three of those first four weeks uh the cupcakes are out of the way you hopefully move into some decent conference schedule games although you know that that may not be the case for some of these teams and and you figure out a little bit more about who these teams are 
Adam, uh, I saw our friends at Five Dimes Offshore. They have updated their conference championship odds. I, I thought some particularly interesting ones. First in the Big 12, the listed favorite now is Texas. I guess they are back at 3-2. to two. Oklahoma, <laughs> West Virginia, both 2-1. to one. Then you get into TCU at 6-1, to one, and it drops down from there. I'll give you a $100 free roll. Who are you putting your money on in the Big 12? Boy, that's tough. I think uh, I want to say Texas. Uh, I know I think they'd be a slight favorite over West Virginia now. I saw some Game of the Year update, updated odds. Um, I think West Virginia, very interested to see how they do this week. That's kind of a tricky spot for them, of course, and one that I think is a little closer to home. Um, I would probably put it on Texas. I wouldn't feel great about it. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I, I just wouldn't. I, I don't necessarily trust that team, but I do think that they have actually seized some momentum for what it feels like the first time in forever. My goodness. And uh, that could be a powerful thing, but it's that's not a perfect team. Uh, we saw that last week, Kyler Murray was able to cut that defense up. Although, again, I'm not sure how many players, other than, say, Will Greer, Texas is going to play against who can do what Kyler Murray can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they've been fun to watch, and certainly having the head-to-head is a big deal. Um, there'll still be a, a conference championship game along the way. But, yeah, I, I am reluctantly, I guess, and slowly becoming a believer in the Longhorns. I, it's hard not to at least like what you see right now, especially with what they have going at quarterback. Let's jump over to the Big Ten. Same question for you, Ohio State. Well, that hundred bucks isn't going to get you very far because you're laying no. minus one seventy-five on them. You got Michigan, Wisconsin, both at seven to two, plus three fifty for them. Penn State twelve to one, Northwestern at twenty-five to one, and then a couple of maybe relatively fun long shots with the Hawkeyes and Michigan State, both at fifty to one. What you doing with your free roll? I may take a stab at Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. Truthfully, I, I think. It's hard to go on the other side of that, that conference right now. It, it just is. Now, the good news is, you know, with Wisconsin or with, well, probably Wisconsin, you're going to get a crack at this thing. Um, or not. Maybe it'll be somebody else. I mean, that's the way the dynamics of the, the, the Big Ten are now. But I think Michigan, and I, I've probably, you know, I've been a believer all year long, even when they lost to an entertainment team. And, oh, by the way, that loss looks better each and every week. And I think that's kind of a really interesting thing for Michigan. Went from a crippling defeat against the so-so team to all of a sudden, hey, Michigan may have one of the best losses on the entire docket this year. And good losses, as you know, are pretty important. Um, so committee-wise, we are talking about a playoff, you know, Michigan. That should be the expectation. How will they fare against Ohio State? Well, we saw an active Penn State defense at least make Dwayne Haskins uncomfortable. It's a game that certainly Ohio State would be favored in. Uh, it's a game you, you you might pick Ohio State to win, but, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like Michigan. I like Michigan this week, and I think that's a team that's getting much more comfortable as they go, especially as, as Shea Patterson seems to settle in here. Talking with Adam Kramer as we take a look around college football, a.k.a. a couple of matchups this week. Want to get your perspective on. You mentioned undefeated Notre Dame. Remember during their last undefeated run through regular season, they had a tough time with uh, a pretty average Pittsburgh team. Could lightning strike close, uh, strike twice, and we have a four-quarter game with the Panthers coming to town? This is historically a game that Notre Dame is just kind of getting eh for. You know what I mean? It, it, it is one of those games, and you go to Blacksburg, you get a huge win on the road against Virginia Tech. I, I bet Virginia Tech last week. That didn't go particularly well. <laughs> it's not just that, by the way. I mean, you had Stanford, you had Virginia Tech back-to-back, 
um, you've got an option team coming up, uh, which is after a bye. So you got a bye next week. I mean, this is a game that Notre Dame should dominate. I know Pitt, Pitt by the way, was the contrarian play of the year last week uh, against Syracuse, considering they were only like a three-and-a-half-point dog in that game. So something was up. Now they can run the ball, which I think will be pretty interesting to see what they do. I just think Notre Dame's a lot better. I mean, the line to me doesn't scream let down at all. You've got a three-touchdown line. I could see Pittsburgh maybe covering and Notre Dame kind of sleepwalking here. But but the Irish like, are, are looking legit. I mean, it's not just the fact that they're winning. Uh, I know they had a sleepy game against Ball State. Vanderbilt was close. But since they've made that change at quarterback, this looks like a different team. And I, I, Again, I, I wouldn't like, you know, I'm not going to take or, you know, lay the points one way or another here, but I do like what I've seen from them. Could be a little bit wobbly for Coach O and LSU. It's Georgia this week, Mississippi State after that. Bama after that, and they still have a matchup at the end of the year on the road at Texas A&M. What do you expect, to bounce back from LSU this week and, and play in Georgia tight, or the Bulldogs with all that talent running away down in Baton Rouge? I don't think they're going to run away. I really don't. I think it's, a, it's the toughest environment they'll see this year. It's an LSU fan base that I think is still pretty hungry despite the loss. It's an LSU team that I like quite a bit. Um, I think the concern level here would be the difference in, and just the proficiency on offense. I, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow has done some things well, but he's still completing basically 50% of his throws, which isn't great. Had the, the interception last week, which was crippling. So it's a guy that is still learning on the fly. And when you, you look at the difference in quarterback, that's a problem. Um, dynamic playmakers. But, you know, this is one of the few teams, that, and I've watched Georgia this year, they just look so much faster than everybody else. This is a team that they're not going to look a lot faster than. Whether LSU is as good as Georgia, I don't think so. And the seven, seven and a half says speaks volumes to that. Um, but I do think it's a team that athlete-wise can keep up. And again, Georgia has just kind of methodically gone through the season. This could be a shock to the system. I like Georgia to win. I could see LSU covering this number. Iowa State, they get West Virginia in. I've heard a lot of people nationally saying, be careful here, West Virginia. Do you fall on that boat? Because on the local level, I love Iowa State getting the points this week. I think this is a line that you can't help but look at and say, what the heck, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're, if you're strictly looking at it from a point spread standpoint, I know it's been bet up a little bit, so the fact that you know, Vegas isn't necessarily pushing back four and a half to six, six and a half in some places, but, but like this, is the, this is the place, this is a scenario that, that good seasons, great seasons go to die. I, they, they, this is just it, that's what happens. This is what 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 Iowa State has done. Uh, it's been interesting in terms of the quarterback position. Like you know, the change there certainly seemed to work out. Uh, putting in the freshman, and my goodness, what it, what an explosion! So what will that look like? I, I think the only difference is, man, Will Greer is like a, he, he's a monster. <laughs> like he is a monster. He's seasoned. He's been beat up. This is an environment. You're not going to see sort of that shock that you saw with Haskins when he was on the road against Penn State. Uh, I, I really am a big fan of Greer's, and I like you know that offense, and, and I think West Virginia's a balanced team. So I think this game's going to be close. The line speaks to that. Um, I, I think Iowa State has a great chance to cover this game and win outright. Good stuff. Hey, Adam, as always, thank you for your time. We'll do it again soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. That's Adam Kramer joining us as we take a look around college football And another week here, Iowa State. I have heard it a lot here in the seventh week of the regular season that the Cyclones, a live dog, I completely agree. Of course, what we saw a week ago with Brock Purdy coupled with 
West Virginia. Yeah, the defense has been better, but I think Iowa State's going to be a bit more dynamic than what they've seen to this point. Really everything short of Texas Tech. Will Greer a week ago didn't play his normal best. Three red zone turnovers in that game against Kansas where they sleepwalked to the 38-22 win. This is going to be a good one. Really looking forward to it. I love Iowa State's chances, not only of covering that number, but having a chance at the outright upset. The game day game this week, it'll be Michigan and Wisconsin. The Badgers come in up to now a nine-and-a-half point dog. Wolverine money continues to pile in Michigan at home against Wisconsin. We've talked about the Badgers certainly a lot. I'm not a big believer in them, but that number is getting to a point now where the buyback, you got to figure, is going to be coming at some point in time. And the other local this week, Iowa, Indiana. The Hawkeyes currently a five-and-a-half point favorite in that one. we got a lot more to come, certainly previewing that game coming up this evening. We'll talk more Big Ten football later this hour with Ken Silverstein. But up next, Jimmy B stops by. We'll talk about the crazy situation north of the border in Minnesota. What's happening with Jimmy Butler? We'll get into that. We'll talk a little Iowa, Iowa State, and the night in football tonight. TCU, Texas Tech. We opened up talking about that. Philadelphia and the Giants. We will get into that and a whole lot more. Jimmy B joins the program next, taking it all 6 o'clock tonight on 1700 KBGG. Back out of here on a Thursday. Jimmy B and TC continues on, and we got Jimmy B here with us. Jim, yesterday we had some fun. We talked NBA. We talked totals. Mm -hmm. And as it's happening, of course, uh, Jimmy Butler, we hadn't had an opportunity at that time to see the sit-down interview he had with Rachel Nichols. So... Let's start right there in the weird, wild, wacky world of your buddy Jimmy Butler. <laughs> well, look, it's obvious what he's attempting to do here, Trent. He's attempting to force the trade. He wants to get out of Minneapolis as quickly as he possibly can and get to another team. Here's some of the things that I have been told about Jimmy Butler from people that have been around him when he was with the Bulls and also when he was on the USA Olympic team, is that a lot of times it's all about him. In other words, apparently, according to these guys, now I don't know this personally, but according to some of the guys that I've spoken to, he's just not a great team guy. And it's about him and his stats and, I guess, being the face of the team. I mean, look at the teams that he first originally said he would go to. He wanted to go to the L.A. Clippers. He wanted to go to the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks. Well, those teams aren't going anywhere. Right. And then in that interview, yeah, and then in that interview, he says, I'm a winner. I want to be a winner. Well, you're not going to win with those guys. You're not going to go anywhere. So it's it's very conflicting. Look, uh, it's pretty obvious that... That ship has sailed. It's irreparable now. It's not going to be something that Tom Thibodeau can hang on to a guy and then maybe, if he's playing well, unload him before the trading deadline in the NBA in February. Uh, they got to get a deal done, and they got to get something for Jimmy Butler. I still think the Miami Heat are desperately interested in acquiring him. And I don't know why that deal fell through last weekend because it appeared that it was going to go down. 
My guess is is that the Heat thought they had a deal in place, and then Thibodeau or somebody else in the organization said, no, we're not getting enough. We want this as well, and that's when it fell apart. You know, with that, the interesting component to this is allowing him back at practice. What did Tibbs and the rest of the Timberwolves brass think was going to happen there? It can be nothing but bad, and well, we saw it, it was even worse than bad the way that it turned out. But did, did Tom Thibodeau really believe that suddenly Jimmy Butler was going to come back to practice and everything was going to be good in the world of Minnesota Timberwolves basketball? He talked about being short-sighted. Come on, Tibbs. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Look, I, I we're not there, so we're not privy, of course, to those closed-door conversations. But they did talk, Thibodeau and Butler, and so maybe Thibodeau got the impression that all right, we'll have him come into practice and work out here, and we're still going to try to keep him. And then it blew up in his face. Look, I'm not saying what Butler did was right. It was horribly wrong. It really was. But he is out to force a deal, come hell or high water, and he's not going to play. Just like today, they canceled practice. Nobody is at the training facility for the Minnesota Timberwolves today. They canceled practice and no media events as well. So something's going on here, and maybe, just maybe, I haven't seen anything yet, but maybe Miami's on the phone again, and now they're really going to be serious and trying to get Butler out. Now they have all the leverage to go along with it, though. That, that's the other component yes. here, is they're going to have all the leverage knowing they're not playing that guy. They had to cancel practice for crying out loud. Yeah, It's not going to happen there. Weird, weird circumstances. Jimmy B, speaking of the NBA, last night, I think you saw my tweet. I, I had I, I had to fire. There was nothing on. There was no baseball. There was yeah. no, nothing to bet, so I bet preseason basketball for the first time in my life, and I got a winner, Jimmy B. I took a winner. Yeah, you took the Lakers. Yeah. Ken helped me out with a hockey pick, so I went 2-0 last night. Maybe that's my, my new forte, getting into betting preseason sports. Maybe that's where the winners are going to be for me. Well, the NHL is in regular season, so you were okay with that. But you're right on the on the NBA. That was a preseason game. But, you know, I watched a lot of that. And, you know, they're playing in Las Vegas. The place is packed and because it's a huge uh, Lakers town there. Mm-hmm. And... And, and you would have thought, by the reaction in the crowd anyway, that they were watching a regular season game and that it actually meant something. I will say this. I think with the packed house and the crowd being involved as they were, Trent, I think it inspired a lot of the players, not just the, particularly the veteran guys mm-hmm. like LeBron and, and Durant and, and Curry and Clay Thompson and those guys, to really show up and play a little bit because they did. Now, LeBron only played like 18 minutes or 20. I don't even know if it was 20. Maybe it's 18 minutes. And he scores like 18 points and has like nine rebounds and six assists, including a three-pointer at the uh, at the buzzer from about 40 feet out and had a couple of dunks. And I mean, the, it was it was nuts, mm-hmm. absolutely nuts with, with, with what was going on. And then he didn't even play in the second half. So... Look, the fans got their money's worth. I think the players, when they realized that the place was just rocking, I mean absolutely rocking, during, and, and the people that were there, 
I mean, not only is Magic Johnson sitting courtside, but Shaquille O'Neal is sitting courtside. And the list of celebrities went on and on and on. So I thought that was pretty good of the players, at least in the first half, to put on a show. And, uh, and so people got their money's worth, and so did you. I did, yeah. I mean, made a little something, something out of it. I watched a ton of it. I was entertained. And Lance Stevenson, boy, Lance Stevenson yeah. looks like maybe slimmed down a touch. I thought he looked really good. Well, look, there's, if you're going to go play basketball with LeBron James, greatest player on the planet right now, uh, you better be ready to play. Yeah. Because he will, yeah, he will get in your face and call you out. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways around it. And I think these guys that were problem childs, like Lance, like Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley. Michael Beasley looked in terrific shape. Yeah. So I, I was, like, shocked and, and the way that it went down. I do see Ingram... Being like uh, like Scottie Pippen was Michael Jordan, I think Ingram is going to develop into LeBron's Scottie Pippen type of player. Uh, he does have skills. He's thin, but he's kind of that wiry thin mm-hmm. and is strong enough to still get his shot in traffic. So I think, look, I, the NBA season is going to be highly, highly entertaining this year with so many uh, faces in new places. You know, in the past few years, Jim, since we started doing this three and a half years ago, I always gave you a hard time, told you wake me up in June when we get to Warriors-Cavs. Oh, yeah. Well, we know the Cavs are not going to be there this year. <laughs> the Warriors are going to be there. I'm, sure, I'm For all intents and purposes, I, I still think that the Warriors are obviously the team. But the continued compelling nature of this league, Jim, I'm in. And you know what? When we start our new uh, time next week, we'll be here yep. from 1 until 2 o'clock. It might have to become Jimmy B and TC's crappy NBA minute. What do you think? <laughs> I'll go for that. If if I if I've kind of swayed you a little bit yeah. after three and a half years, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it, pal. All I can tell you is is you saw what the crowd was up in Ames for an NBA exhibition game. I mean, they had almost twelve thousand people right. in Ames at Hilton Coliseum for an exhibition game. People want to see stars. And the NBA is the greatest league in marketing star players. And that's why people want to see that. Finally, Jimmy B, I'll let you get out of here with some football tonight that we have going on. Pretty busy night overall in the world of sports. NBA preseason aside, there are a couple games. We will not get into those this evening. But NFL, you got the Eagles-Giants college football, a Big 12 tilt with TCU-Texas Tech. Regardless of how close the games are, what has more of your attention going into tonight? Ooh, that's tough. Now, because we cover the Big 12 so closely with Iowa State in there, uh, I will have a keen uh, eye. Notice I said eye, not eyes. Mm-hmm. An eye on that uh, Texas Tech TCU game. Uh, absolutely. The other eye will be on the NFL game. And to be honest with you, I know that Philly is hungry, and they are playing in New Jersey. And the Giants uh, had that heartbreaking loss at Carolina on that 63 Graham Gano field goal uh, at the end of the game. But I I just got a feeling the Giants find a way to win this game tonight. I, I just think that they are due. They played great against Carolina, just had a heartbreaker, had it ripped away from them on that 63-yard field goal. So I I favor the Giants tonight against Philadelphia. And I like, I think Texas Tech has a real chance. 
a, a real chance to just give TCU all kinds of trouble this evening as well. Well, that is football tonight. Jimmy B will let you get out of here tomorrow, a football Friday, and with it, we will do our picks. You want me to send over the picks, uh, the games to you here, in the uh, so you can study it over tonight while you're you're drinking, you're watching football, you're sitting at the bar with your iPad. You want me to send you the games a little early this week? Well, you can do that, but you know how long my studies take place—about right, thirty right. seconds—and then I'm good to go. Uh, wasn't I five and zero last week? You were five and zero last week. Can you keep it going? That's the key. That's the key. Can I be on fire for more than just one week? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Okay. We're we're both under five hundred on the year. It's just. We'll, we'll work to do better, and we will do it tomorrow yeah, no, here with will. our picks before we get out of here on your drive home from 4 until 6 o'clock. Jim, enjoy the football tonight. We'll talk to you later. You got it, pal, as we continue right here on the Big Talker 1700. Once again, time to get into the Big Ten. Love to do this on Thursdays as our Big Ten insider, Ken Silverstein, joins Jimmy B and TC. Ken, good afternoon to you. How are things out east? Uh, things are good. Getting into uh, October football. Weather's starting to turn cool. The 80 degrees have gone bye-bye. I'm looking outside. It's cloudy and 56. So um, let's bring on some pigskin this weekend. It's a good weekend for that. And we got footballs uh, flying coming up here in just a little bit. Big 12 football with TCU and Texas Tech, followed by the NFL game tonight with the Giants and the Eagles. But we're here to talk Big Ten football, and let's do that at the top. Want to start? On the local level here, start with the Hawkeyes. They do what they need to do up against Minnesota this week, but they're taking on Indiana. You get a closer look at the Hoosiers. I know you watched them last week in the game against Ohio State, so fill us in here a little bit. Help us out. What's this Indiana squad have? They're pesky. They, they really are. Um, Peyton Ramsey does a, a nice job. He's sort of a poor man's Trace McSorley, okay? and it's a compliment. It's not a... It's not a knock on him. Um, throws it better than you think he will. He's more accurate than he think uh, he might be. He's quick. I wouldn't say he's as physical or as quick as McSorley at Penn State, but um, he's not bad. So you got to stop him on the on the run throw option. Um, they throw the ball at least against Ohio State. They threw the ball downfield more than I thought they would. I'm not sure that's an Ohio State thing. We'll see what they do uh, against the Hawkeyes defensively. They're not bad. Not um, Michigan. I mean, they don't have future NFL guys running around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And high draft picks uh, that Michigan will roll out uh, in April's draft because they got a bunch of them. But um, they're pretty good. And uh, what are they? They're 4-2 and two on the year. They need, what, two more wins to be uh, bowl eligible. Do I think it's going to be win number five against Iowa? No, I don't think so. I think Hawkeyes are in a pretty good spot because they're thinking to themselves, hmm, Let's see, Michigan, Wisconsin, in Ann Arbor. Let's see what happened last year in Madison. Michigan got beat. Payback time, hundred thousand plus. Night game. Hmm. Better quarterback, Shea Patterson, instead of the dregs they've thrown out there over the years. So what I'm getting at, in a roundabout way, if they take care of business, which they should, it'll be. I think it'll be tight, but they'll beat IU. Should beat IU, and. Michigan does what Michigan should do against Wisconsin, then all of a sudden, no, it's not quote dead even, but it's closer because then both teams obviously would have one loss in conference. Now the head-to-head would be the difference, mm-hmm. but you see where I'm going with it. There's yep. still a lot of football to go, 
And if if Wisconsin loses this week, which I think they will, they got a real good shot of losing to Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't play Ohio State, which is a break for I guess the Buckeyes and likewise uh, for Wisconsin. So what I'm getting at is they can inch closer the Hawkeyes if they beat IU and they should. And Michigan does what Michigan should do. They don't need to lose at home to Wisconsin. That would be another blemish on Mr. Khaki's resume, better known as Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, yes, it was. And we'll get into that game here in a little bit as Ken Silverstein joins us, our Big Ten Conference insider. I, I think you're exactly right. And watching this Wisconsin team a week ago, defense struggled. J.D. Spielens making plays all over the field for Nebraska. This is not a vintage Badger team. Iowa still has a road trip to Penn State, and of the remaining games, they'll certainly be an underdog there. Even if they lose that and would finish 7-2 and two in the Big Ten, that means Wisconsin would have to finish 6-3 and three or worse. I still don't think that's a stretch. Wisconsin, you mentioned the Michigan game, on the road this week. They have Penn State later in the season on the road, mm-hmm. coupled with road trips to Purdue and Northwestern. Both of those teams certainly look capable of beating Wisconsin at home. It's not the stretch that it seemed, we, seemed like just maybe a couple of weeks ago that Wisconsin could actually lose three games in conference. It could. It couldn't. But the game against Michigan Saturday is so important if you're an Iowa fan. Mm-hmm. You've got, you got to get Michigan to win. Because if Wisconsin pulls the upset, and it would be a slight upset, uh, you've got Michigan slightly higher ranked, you've got Wisconsin on the road, it's a revenge game because of last year. But let's Let's roll it out in the most optimistic way of looking at this. And that would be, obviously, Wisconsin losing. Then, all of a sudden, it's not a done deal, but it becomes a little bit more doable. Now, if Wisconsin wins, then all of a sudden you say to yourself, hmm, all right, a Penn State loss, that, that could happen and probably will happen. But then you got to get a little bit more fortunate with that Northwestern yep. slash Purdue game where if they lose on Saturday, this is Wisconsin losing, then all of a sudden you say, you know what, they're going to lose at Penn State because Penn State at Happy Valley is tough whether it's night or day. So it's tough to say, eh, what, is, uh, what is Saturday? Saturday is the 13th of October. It's tough to say that October 13th is crucial, but if you're a Hawkeye fan, you really are going to be waving them pom-poms. I know it hurts. But you can be waving them pom poms <laughs> for Michigan because if Michigan can win, it clears the decks not totally, but it makes it more doable. If Michigan would lose, then it becomes a little bit more difficult, maybe even a little bit more than difficult for Iowa to uh, win the West. But if they lose and they're favored to lose, if Hornybrook has an average or less than average game at QB, and they hold Taylor for, oh, let's say 100 yards, give or take, then I don't see any reason why Michigan won't beat them. But we'll see. It goes from possible, which it's possible, I guess, to to plausible if Wisconsin loses this week. Michigan, speaking of them, they've flown under the radar really since that Notre Dame game, and they had the close call a couple of weeks ago against Northwestern. They come roaring back and get the victory. Where do you sit with this Michigan team right now, a schedule that – Looks a, a lot better for them going forward than it did just a few weeks ago, too. Wisconsin doesn't look like an elite-level team. Still good, but not at an elite level. Michigan State has a whole set of issues. They get Penn State at home before, of course, the end of the year and the road trip to Ohio State. 
things do feel like they're kind of setting up for the Wolverines. Well, yeah, and I think what also helps them is that Notre Dame now is hot yes, and is yep. gaining a lot of traction. So now that I think that was, what, a seven-point loss, if my memory serves me uh, correctly, that loss now almost becomes a W. It's not a W, but almost. It, it's a good loss, if that makes sense. And where after week one, it did not look as good. So that loss has gained a lot of luster in the eyes of the committee or when the committee meets here in a couple weeks at the end of the month. So... Um, Michigan is um, it's setting up. You're right on. They win on Saturday. Michigan State looks like they're on the roll to lose, what, maybe three, four games this year? Maybe. Okay. Um, they do not look that good uh, on either side of the ball. They're okay, but they're a bowl team. They'll get the six or more, but they're not. This is not one of the better Michigan State uh, teams of the last X amount of years. So that shapes up to be advantageous for Michigan. Uh, Penn State's going to be tough. Yes, it's in Ann Arbor. It's still going to be tough. And then, obviously, quote the game. Uh, what is that? I guess it'll be November 24th, I think it is, uh, that Saturday uh, in Columbus, and that could be for all the marbles. So, yeah, it's looking better for Michigan than it did uh, two, three weeks ago. I've seen them a bunch. Um, I don't know. I I mean, defensively, they're really good, but you know what? I've seen them also have clunkers. I, I still see the Penn State game last year at Happy Valley, and granted, you know, Saquon Barkley torched them early in that one, and he's now in the NFL going to play tonight against uh, the Eagles. Um, I wasn't impressed in the first half against Northwestern. They sleepwalked through that puppy, woke up in the second half uh, to their credit. Offensively, Shea Patterson is better than what they've had, but he's not hes not an elite NFL-type quarterback. I think i think he can get to him, uh, particularly with a lot of pressure up the gut. He's a little bit on the small side, um, and that bothers me at, with quarterback play in general. So the running game, Higdon is okay and gets big numbers against average or less than average talent, but against the big boys, Higdon has a way of disappearing. He's not... I don't think he's an elite running back. Is he an NFL running back? Possibly, but he's not a high first or second round pick at this point. So they're okay, but I still think they can be beaten. Now, will they be beaten by Wisconsin on Saturday? No, I think Wisconsin is going to lose, which is great news uh, as we circle back to Iowa. But uh, I don't think this is an elite Michigan squad. Are they getting better? Yes. Are they there yet? No, they're getting closer, but I don't think they're there 100%. Another interesting one, you talked about Michigan State this week with Penn State. The Sparty team returned 19 starters from a year ago, and they just have not been able to get on track from you know the opening game that Friday night where they struggled past Utah State to the loss to Arizona State. It has not been vintage Michigan State, especially with this many guys back. Are you uh, selling your Mark D'Antonio stock right now? <laughs> yes, I am, even though obviously he's going to be there for many years to come. It's one of the safer jobs in, in college football and, and better yet the Big Ten. So I don't know what it is. They look, they can't run the ball, which is mind-boggling to me. And it's got to be mind-boggling to Hawkeye fans because they're thinking he, L.J. Scott is still on campus and he torched us in, in Indianapolis by scoring that touchdown. So, um I don't know. Uh, they don't run the ball effectively. 
Um, quarterback play has been, and I think I'm being kind here, average. Um, at times he looks really good, but so far this season he's not been consistent enough. Um, wide receiver play is okay, maybe better than that. Offensive line is not as good as I thought it would be. As I thought it would be, and defensively, pass rush is not as good as it should be uh, for most uh, Michigan State squads. And the secondary, which has been where they've been really, really good over the last, let's say, five plus years. Um, I think I see it. the the Dow kid is pretty good. He's going to be an NFL player. Um, so I him play high school football here in Northeast Ohio, um, and so I had a pretty good hunch he was going to be a good player. But I don't. The rest of the secondary doesn't bowl me over. So the long and the short is it's just it's just not translating with all those returning starters. Um, you know, I could see them as I said earlier. I could see them. Going seven and five, eight and four at best. Um, you know they still got to play Michigan. They still got to play Ohio State. Um, I think they're going to lose to Penn State. So they're going to come out of this thing at oh my goodness, one and two in conference and three and three overall. They're going to get the six or more. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But um, where we always think, or at least I always think, there are the big four in the uh, in the Big Ten East. It's not four this year. It's really three. In no particular order, Penn State, Ohio State, and likewise Michigan. Michigan State is a step down, and then you have, I, I think Indiana and Maryland are on the same level. And then, excuse me, is Rutgers still in the Big Ten? No. Can someone, can someone call the commish and see if Rutgers is still in the Big Ten Conference? Because I know they're there, but better yet, they shouldn't be there. You're exactly right. Get them out of there if, they, if you find a corpse. Get rid of that thing because it has been hideous. How about substituting Pitt for someone like Rutgers? Eh, right? eh. Pitt stinks well, too. I know, but they but they've had some good years. I think Pat Narduzzi is a pretty good coach, former Wisconsin guy. Okay, um, it's a rivalry for for Penn State. Penn State's always looking for a rival. They're, they're searching high and low for a rival. Fine, <laughs> give them Pitt. Okay? Give them Pitt. Give them Pitt. Like yeah. an hour or so away, you know, geographically. Give them pit. At least give them a robbery, okay? So it's a, it's a TV market. It's a major market, okay? It's not as big as New York and Philly, but it's still a top, roughly, I could be off a couple here, roughly a top 20 TV market. So, I'm, look, I'm not saying it's the perfect pick, but if I was going to jettison Rutgers, I think Pitt might be geographically. You can fly in there. You know, they got a nice airport, you know. <laughs> uh, you play in an NFL stadium. College kids would like that, so... I'm not, I didn't go to Pitt. It's not my alma mater, so I'm, I'm not waving the pom-poms for the University of Pittsburgh. But, you know, they've had Dorsett. They've had Marino. Uh, they've had, and I'm, I'm dating my, they've had Hugh Green. Uh, they've had some good players, granted, a few years ago. Um, they've had some good players over the years. They do have some tradition. So if I was going to jettison Rutgers, which I wish I could, um, I'm not saying Pitt would be a no-brainer. I'm just saying they would be an option. How about that? It's better than Rutgers, no doubt. Ken, out of time. Oh, that's for sure. (laughs) Out of time for this week. We'll do it again next week. Thank you. Have a good weekend. That's Ken Silverstein, our Big Ten Conference Insider. That'll do it. We're out of here. The week is complete. Tonight, TCU Texas Tech. I'm hitting the over. It's gone down to 58.5. Something's fishy there. Probably fade this pick. I'm going there. It seems too easy, but yeah, I'm jumping aboard that. I'm on the Eagles tonight. 
I gave you a winner last night with the NBA preseason. I, I got to stay away from that. One thing I do really like tonight also, a little hockey. Pittsburgh. It's a big price. Maybe parlay that with something else you like that's minus 200 against Vegas, back-to-back for Vegas this evening. And Vegas, uh, they're taking the step back that many anticipated. Some bonus picks for you here on Jimmy B and TC. Tomorrow, a football Friday. It's a busy one. Previewing Iowa, Iowa State, the NFL week, and a whole lot more. It starts at noon with Ken Miller and myself from noon until 2. And on your drive home from 4 until 6 with Jimmy B and TC. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. Enjoy your night in sports. We'll have the call with Westwood One of Eagles Giants here on 1700.